Take your Bible out this morning, and uh, I don't know where we're going to start, man. I've got all kinds of scriptures I'm going to go over this morning. Uh, <clears throat> this morning, I wanted to uh, turn your attention to something that I think has received far too little attention in the body of Christ over the years. And I'm going to try to condense this uh, for your benefit. And also, I wanted to make a um, recording, a CD available, and something we can put online that's uh, kind of condensed and to the point uh, about this subject. Um, because it's something that we, the church is not given nearly enough recognition to, although it is something that every single gospel has recorded. Uh, now, you understand when the gospels were written, they were written with a, a, a purpose, a particular, specific purpose in mind. For example, when Matthew was written, it was written primarily to the Jews to show that Jesus was not only the Messiah, but he was the king of the Jews. And then when Mark was written, Mark was written to show Jesus as a servant of men. And then when Luke was written, Luke was written to show that Jesus was all man. He was the perfect man. And then when John, the book of John was written, John was written to show that Jesus was the Son of God. So he was all man, but he was all God as well. Uh, So two things that all of the Gospels pointed out, one was that he was the Savior of the world. And the other is a subject that I want to address this morning, that Jesus was the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. He came to save men, but he came to empower men that we could walk in uh, this Christian journey through the power of the Spirit. It says in Matthew, for example, chapter 3, verse 11, John the Baptist is speaking. He said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you in the Holy Ghost and with fire. Mark chapter 1, verse 8 gives an account of the same account. It says, I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Luke chapter 3, verse 16. John answered, saying unto them, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I comes the latches of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And then in John chapter 1, verse 29, it says, In the next day, John, seeing Jesus coming unto him, said, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh the man which is referred before me. For he was before me, and I knew him not. But he that, sh- but that he should be made manifest to Israel, therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And we know that in that particular account, it is when Jesus himself was baptized in the Spirit. Because the sub-dove descended from above, we don't see Jesus doing any miracles up until that point. 33 years of his life, he never healed a single person. Never cast out a demon. Never did anything. Until that day, and when the Holy Ghost came upon him, he launched his ministry and began to do the miracles and signs and wonders that we see recorded in Scripture. So, I've been teaching about the baptism of the Spirit for almost 40 years now, 39 years this July. Uh, But many believers have never heard this taught in its correct context. And I think this is a huge error. Because this is one thing that I am convinced that Satan wants to stop. 
in the church. He wants to silence the voices of the, of the, of the men, of, men and women of God on this subject because this is the very thing that comes against his kingdom with power and authority. And if he can put a stop to this, it's like having a gun with no bullets. I've always thought it's like having a sword with a blade broke off. I mean, what good is it? You know, having a church without the power of the Spirit can do very little good. But, brother, when you put bullets in that gun, that thing is it's cocked, locked, and ready to rock. Amen? So uh, we want to we get the Holy Spirit uh, power up on the church and the body of Christ so we can do the things that God has called us to do. This was also so important that Jesus himself made a point of it. Not only in all the Gospels, but in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, Jesus is speaking and it said, Being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Man, this was a great time in history. Because all through the history of mankind, man had been powerless. But they are just days away from the endowment of the power of the Holy Spirit. Folks, there is nothing on earth more important than this. Nothing man can give you. The Bible says, don't lay up treasures on earth where rust and dust doth corrupt and thieves break into steel. But lay up your treasures in heaven. There are things that are more important than the things of this earth, folks. And this is one of the most important things that we will ever get hold of in the body of Christ. And if you get a hold of this, you're going to know what I'm talking about. Because when Jesus Christ touches you, it makes a difference in your life. I heard this said one time, when, death, when divinity touches dust, it produces destiny. Let me say that again. When divinity touches dust, it produces destiny. When God created man in the Garden of Eden, he wasn't nothing but a pile of dirt. But the God, Spirit of God breathed into him the, uh, uh, the breath of life, and he became a living soul. And he started out on his destiny. And we can go through scriptures and see every person that had an encounter with God, it changed their destiny. It changed their direction. I know when Jesus, when I really met Jesus, my life was never the same again. So, so it makes a difference when we have an encounter with God. And, and we need to get a hold of that. Amen? Now, Wednesday night, the reason I'm preaching on this, somebody came up to me, and they'll never know how much they bless me. They were just giving me a testimony about a family member of theirs. And they said, so-and-so's daughter received her prayer language the other day. I was like, really? And just something went off inside of me. I was, and, but I thought, you know what? We should be hearing that testimony all the time in the body of Christ. We should. And I said, well, praise God. He said, but, there, but there's more, Pastor. said, since then, she's been having dreams and visions. And just when she reads the Word, it's, it's the, the revelation of the Word. said it's happening so fast that it's really it's kind of frightening her. And I said, well, she shouldn't be afraid of that. Because the same thing happened to me. When I received the baptism of the Spirit, I've been in church all my life. I had heard all the Bible stories. And I mean, I grew up in church. I was in church before I was even born. When I was in the womb, I was in church. But brother, when I got received the baptism of the Spirit, when I read the Bible, it literally leaped off the pages at me. It came alive to me. It was real to me. And so um, I thought, well, I'm going to preach this sermon this morning, and I'm going to tell her, take her a copy of this. This is going to help her understand what is happening to her and why it's happening. Amen. Let's pray and get the Holy Spirit in here before we get any further. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, that we are 
are still under the banner of, of your power today. God, we thank you that what you did uh, on the day of Pentecost, you still do today. Lord, not one dot nor tittle of your word is passed away until it's all been fulfilled, God. We know that the power of the Holy Spirit still reigns and rules in the hearts of men. And God, we know that what you gave them, Lord, you're not a respecter of person. You give it to us as well. And Father, we know when the power of the Spirit comes in, Lord, it gives us the ability to do things that we could not do. Lord, in our own strength. Lord, you told them whatsoever things you bind on earth, it's bound in heaven. Whatsoever things you loose on earth, it's loosed in heaven, Lord. And it all comes through the power of the Spirit. So, God, we pray this morning, Lord, that you will just help us to understand this clearly, Lord. God, we can just present it in such a way, Lord, that no one would have any questions about it, Father God. And, Lord, that we would be willing to open our hearts to you, Lord, to receive all that you have for us, Lord. And that we would not want to resist anything that you have offered to us, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Folks, let me tell you, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is more precious than silver and gold. I went over to uh, to uh, Brother Mike's the other night, Mike Williams, and uh, I stopped in and we, we bought a pizza and Jeannie and I went by and we sat down and ate a pizza together, you know. And we got to talking about his work and because and, I used to do the same type of work, you know. And so I'm asking, I'm like, dude, what what is what some guys knocking down now about? 75 grand a year or what he so he added it up it's like almost a hundred thousand dollars a year i was like you're kidding me i was like that's more than the preacher makes you know and i was thinking and, and see the enemy will throw fiery darts at you what if you know and and all these figures and Jeannie said we don't need all that money bernie and suddenly i remembered something that peter said silver and gold have i none but such as i have give i thee in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. God gave Peter something that money couldn't buy, folks. And money couldn't buy the healing for the man that laid at the gate called Beautiful that was lame from his birth for 40 years. Money couldn't buy that. But what God had put inside of that man could raise him up and heal him. Folks, that's better than anything God that, that man can give you. Do you understand this? The power of the Spirit is better than silver and gold. And folks, you don't have to be rich, brother. If you've got the power of God, man, when divinity touches dust, it gives you destiny. Amen? And I want the destiny of God to be something that's supernatural. Amen? To do supernatural things. And that comes through the Spirit. When Jesus touches you, you'll never be the same. And brother, believe me, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will never be the same. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Say amen this morning. If you can't say amen, wiggle your big toe. All right? Now... There's been a lot of confusion about this subject. If you bring this subject up in, in many different religious circles, you're going to get all kinds of opinions. You go online and start talking about this or asking questions about it, you're going to see all kind of ridicule and mockery and, and insulting things, you know, harsh, bitter, cruel things coming from believers, not from the world, from other believers, you know. And so... <clears throat> Uh, a lot of people get angry over these things. I'm talking about the body of Christ now. I'm talking about believers. They get angry over these things and say very hurtful things. And, and to that, I, I can only warn people. In Mark chapter 3, Jesus went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And a man came in that had a withered hand. And the Pharisees was watching him to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath day. Because the Lord forbid that he should do anything like that on the Sabbath day. 
And Jesus perceived what they were thinking and he said, come here and stretch out your hand. Because the Bible says that he was angered by that. And he said, stretch out your hand. And he made his hand hold. And they went out and began to ridicule and mock him. So much so that they came in to take him. And he had to leave. He had to actually run for his life. And then he went through cities healing people and casting out demons and doing all these things. And they said, he does this by the power of Beelzebub or Satan. And then he goes on. If you read Mark chapter 3 and he said, can Satan cast out Satan? A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, his kingdom cannot stand. And he goes on to say, every sin that you sin against me will be forgiven. But if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, that shall not be forgiven you and you are in danger of damnation. And he said this because they said he hath a devil. Now what does all that mean? It means when the Holy Spirit is doing something, and people ridicule that and mock that and say that is of the devil, that is a very, very dangerous thing to do. Because if it is the Holy Spirit and you're mocking that and giving that credit to Satan, that's the same thing the Pharisees did with Jesus. And he said, that's blaspheming in the Holy Spirit and it will not be forgiven you. So I warn people, you may not agree with it, you may not like it, you may think it's silly and it's ridiculous, but I would advise you to practice the vocabulary of silence. Hard vocabulary to learn, amen? I could preach out of James 3 about now. About the tongue, but I'm not going to go there. Good vocabulary to learn. Amen. When in doubt, keep your mouth shut. (laughs) You know, it's one thing to appear ignorant. It's another thing to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Amen. And so some people, I don't mean this in an ugly way. Ignorant just means they haven't learned. I'm not trying to be insulting. But some people are very ignorant about this subject. And that's why I wanted to preach on it this morning. So we will know. Now, there are two different ways to receive the Holy Spirit. We find this in Scripture. There are actually two days that are, goes down in history as, I think, the greatest days in history. One, and both of them happen to be on a Sunday. or, or not sun, Well, Sunday is an English name we've given it. It's actually on Sabbat was the Hebrew name. The first day of the week. Shabbat. Meaning the Sabbath. Uh, and so the first one was the resurrection day. Because Jesus arose on the first day of the week. And he came into his disciples and he said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. That's in John chapter 20. Let's read it. John chapter 20, verse 19. It says, then the same day at evening being the first day, the first day of the week. I'm sorry, I told you Sunday was Shabbat. That's not true. It's, it's uh, Ram Rasham. Ram Rasham just means the first day. Saturday actually is Shabbat. Don't want to get you confused. Because somebody probably just heard that and said, Sunday's not the first day. That's not Shabbat. That's not the Sabbath. Saturday's the Sabbath. All right. Just don't wig out on me. All right. I made a mistake. I corrected it. It's Ram Rasham, meaning the first day of the week. It's, it's interesting. If you look at our English language versus Hebrew and Greek and that, the Hebrew actually names the days of the week the way they ought to be named. The first day, that's the name of it. The second day, the third day. The fourth day. We named it Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And if you look at it, they're all actually named after pagan deities. Every one of them. And because it was all about the Sunday is the day of the sun. Monday is the day of the moon. Tuesday was the Norse god of war named Two. And I'm not going to get into all of that. But anyway, that was free. I won't charge you for that. John chapter 20. Are you with me? Verse 19. 
Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. That's an understatement right there. Because here they watched him beat like a dog, carry his cross, nailed to a cross, hung on the cross, watched him stick a spear in his side, and watched him die. And now he's back with them. I think being glad is an understatement. I mean, they were like elated that Jesus is back again. But why did he show them his hands and his side? So that they would know, I am the one that you saw crucified. And I'm back. I'm here. Remember he told Thomas, touch me. Because Thomas said, I won't believe it unless I can touch the holes in his hands. He said, here I am, Thomas. See, I am flesh and bone just like you. Touch me. And so he shows him that so that they would know he has risen from the dead. So Jesus, verse 21, so Jesus said to them again, peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. That's the first way you receive the Holy Spirit. We find it in John chapter 1 verse 12 where it says, As many as believed upon them, to him gave them power to be the sons of God, even those that believed on his name. So when we believe on Christ, basically what we're doing is receiving the breath of Christ or we're receiving the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what happened to them right there. They were born again. They, at that point, they changed from the Old Testament dispensation into the New Testament dispensation. Now they are reborn. They're just like Adam was in the beginning. They are an eternal, powerful being. A world-conquering being. The Bible says, that John says that we have overcome the world through Jesus Christ. Amen? Isn't that good to know that you can overcome the world? Well, you guys are quiet. Say amen if you, if you believe that. Amen. What happened there is the same thing that we see in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. It says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Well, see, up until this point, they had confessed him as Lord, but they didn't believe that he had risen from the dead because he hadn't risen from the dead. But now he has. And he's back with them. So they've confessed it with their mouth, and now they believe that he's risen from the dead. The same thing you and I have to do to be saved. Amen? And so we see that they have completed what was required for salvation. Now, at this point, they're born again. They have the Spirit. And a lot of people say, when I got saved, I got it all. A lot of people believe that. All that the Holy Spirit's going to do and everything he's going to do in me and through me, you get it all when you get saved. The problem that we have with that is not only the pattern we see here, but what, what I have seen throughout my lifetime and in history, that a lot of people, when they get to that point in their life, they have the Holy Spirit. They have eternal life, but they have no purpose and direction for their life. Because after that, Peter, although he had the Holy Spirit, he didn't have any direction. He went back fishing. The Bible says he returned to his nets. And so he's there fishing, and a few days later he looks... And there's Jesus on the shore, and Jesus has been doing a little fishing himself. I like that. He even fried up some fish on the bank, you know, and had them cooking. And they said, it's the master, you know. And Jesus jumped in the, I mean, Peter jumped in the water and swam to the shore. But that wasn't where he was supposed to be. 
Remember when Jesus called him, what did he tell him? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so he had a purpose for Peter and it wasn't to go fit. Not that there's anything wrong with fishing. Amen. I don't believe that. You can't prove that to me in the Bible. Amen. <laughs> if it's in there, don't show me. I don't want to see it. And so he, he, had, he, had, he lacked direction in his ministry. <clears throat> he didn't know what his destiny was. And I believe that multitudes of believers are in that very same place. They've had that new birth experience, but they really don't have what this lady, this, this girl that received her prayer language the other night, and all of a sudden she's getting dreams, she's visions, the Word of God is being revealed. Why hasn't that happened before? Folks, I was 20 years old, had been in church all my life. I knew all the Bible stories, but they weren't real to me. Not like they were after I received the baptism of the Spirit. Folks, I can tell you from my own personal experience, something happens to you that is different from salvation. It is separate from salvation. Of course, it's subsequent to salvation. You can't be filled with the Holy Spirit and not be saved, of course. But it's different. I know it's different. I experienced it myself. And for people to tell me it passed away, I say, well, it's back. If it passed away, I can tell you right now, it's back because, brother, I know what happened to me. In, in August of 1974. And uh, it changed me forever. And, and the thing that Jesus was saying to them in the book of Acts is, I breathed on you and you received the Holy Spirit, but there's more. Go to Jerusalem and don't you leave there until you're endued with power from on high. Because this is not all of it. There's more. And you've got to understand the people that he's talking to. These men had a relationship with Jesus. They had walked with Him, talked with Him, saw all the miracles that He'd done. They themselves had been given power to go out and heal the sick. They came back and they were saying, Lord, even the demons are subject unto our name. And He told them, said, Don't marvel that the demons are subject to your name, but rather rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. And I could go into another sermon about that. But these men, they, they knew the Lord Jesus Christ. They had walked with him. They had experienced a taste of his power. And when he breathed on them, they went for 40 days. That's longer than a month without the endowment of power. And then he says, go into Jerusalem and wait. And he ascended. And ten more days they waited until the day of Pentecost had fully come. Look, at, look with me at Luke chapter 24. In verse 48 it says, and you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. He told them the same thing in Acts 1, 4 and 5. Now everybody, in, every uh, commentator, all agree that that promise was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, it says, And when the day of Pentecost, Pentecost meaning 50, so it was 50 days after the resurrection. When the day of Pentecost was full, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now I see three things taking place here. And I think this is going to clear some things up for people who 
have been pursuing this, perhaps. You believe it. You're open to it. You invite it. You welcome it. You want it. But you don't understand it. And maybe you don't feel like you have received the baptism of the Spirit. I think if, you, if you'll just listen carefully, I think this is going to help you understand how the baptism of the Holy Spirit is administered. Because I see, th- I see this happening actually in three phases. Now, understand first of all that the word baptism means to immerse. We see it from the Hebrew word, they would dip in the mikvah. Baptism, dipping in the mikvah, actually means they would immerse themselves in water. But the word baptism, in general, just means to immerse. There are several different baptisms mentioned in the Bible. Being baptized into the body of Christ or being immersed into the body of Christ is what this is talking about. The baptism of fire, being immersed into fire or trials and tribulations, etc. and so forth. So it means to be immersed in. Now, there are two ways to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. One is when you go down into the water, and the other is when the water comes down up on you. Does that make sense? Let me put it this way. If there was a baptismal pool here, and I got down and was completely immersed in it, I am immersed in water, right? If I go stand under Niagara Falls, I am immersed in water. One, I'm walking into, the other's coming down up on me, right? But you're still immersed. How many of you know you can't walk into Niagara Falls and not be immersed in water, right? Are you with me? Okay, and so this is what's happening. They are being immersed, totally immersed. In one place, John is baptizing with water, so they are going down symbolically into the water to show the death, burial, and resurrection. They come up to walk in a new life. But this one, this baptism, they don't go down into the water. The Bible, every account in the Bible where the Holy Spirit comes upon men, it comes from above and it comes up on them. All right, so they are baptized in the Spirit from above. This comes from God. No man can baptize you in the Spirit. This always comes from above. Are you with me? Okay, so the first phase is total immersion. The second thing that I see is an individual feeling, because it says that it's set upon each of them. It wasn't just a blanket baptism. The baptism was on this one and on this one. And cloven tongues of fire set on each and every one of them individually. And so the baptism of the Spirit is individual immersion or or filling. It It came to fill them. So there was an immersion and there was a filling. And there was also an overflowing, the third phase. Do you see this? Because it said they were filled and they all began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Because if you feel something full enough, it's going to run over. Right? We see that also in Matthew chapter 12, verse 35. It says, A good man out of the good treasures of the heart brings forth those things which are good. And it goes on to say, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So if something is filling you up and it gets full enough, you can't keep your mouth shut. Right? It's going to overflow. So depending on the fullness that you receive, your mouth is going to speak. But this is something the Lord has shown me. You can stop at any, any point in those three phases. In other words, a person can be immersed in the Holy Spirit, but not be filled. A person can be filled, but not be overflowing. So people say, well, I prayed and prayed and prayed, but nothing happened. What do you mean nothing happened? Folks, if I've got a gift to give you, Not a very nice gift, but I want you to have this. What did she just do? She received it from me. 
I didn't say, take it, take it. you got to have it. Take it, take it. I'm not going to force it on you. Did I mess your hair up? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right? God's not going to force something on you. It's a gift. He gives it to you. All you have to do is receive it. And if you received it, you got it. Now, maybe it doesn't fill you. And maybe you don't overflow. But I believe you've got it because he said, if you ask, I will give it to you. Then all you've got to do is receive it. And, and I believe a lot of people, they've received it, but they didn't just get filled. And they didn't get to a point of overflowing. And they're like, well, I didn't get anything. Nothing happened. Well, I don't know that that's so true or not. Because if that's true, then God's Word's not true. And I tell you, if I'm going to believe you or God's Word, it's going to be the Word. Amen? It's going to be the Word. So when the heart is full, the mouth is going to speak. So it depends on how full a person gets, I believe. And another thing that you need to see about this, in every account but one, when the Holy Spirit was given, they did speak in tongues because they were filled to overflowing on every occasion. You say, that can that happen without overflowing? I don't know. I believe that it can, but I, I can't take it to Scripture. Because in, everywhere in Scripture, they were filled to overflowing. And they spoke in tongues. But the thing that you need to see here is they spoke in tongues. The Holy Spirit didn't do it for them. The Holy Spirit's not going to take your mouth and make you say something. You speak in their language. He gives you the words. But you're doing the speaking. He's not going to speak through you. And anybody that says, well, I spoke in tongues and I couldn't help myself, that's not true. That is not true. You are in total, complete control of your faculties. And if something takes you over and forces you to do something, I'm not so sure that it's the Holy Spirit. Right? Because you're in total control of your faculties. The Bible says that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. And if you look at where he's talking about in the book of Corinthians, he's like, this person was prophesying and this one and this one all at the same time. And he says, it's confusion. Nobody knows what you're talking about. I've been in a room with people, three, four people talking at the same time. You can't keep up with three conversations unless you're a woman. Women can do that. I don't know how they do that. they got that spaghetti brain thing going on, you know. I'm a waffle brain. I'm talking to you. I can't hear those over there, all right? <laughs> Maybe you can, but I can't. It's confusing. Well, that was happening in the church. And he says, if, there, if there's three of you prophesying, two of you be silent, and one prophesy, and then the other, and then the other do it in turn. For the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. In other words, you can speak or not speak. So don't speak. But the thing is, when the Holy Spirit comes upon me, I can speak or not speak. It's entirely up to me. He's not going to speak for me. Are you with me? Amen. All right. Now, a lot of people say they're waiting for God to do it all. And if you're waiting for God to do it all, you're going to be waiting the rest of your life because God is not going to do it all. He's going to do His part, and then you do your part. And so we can settle for any measure of the fullness. But my, my thing is, why settle for anything short of it all? Right? If the, if the Holy Spirit is going to immerse me in His presence and He's going to come down upon me, I wanted Him to feel, and He did. Brother, He did, let me tell you. I, and it was not just in my case, and it's not the same with everybody, but in my case, maybe I just needed convincing. I don't know. But I, I physically felt, it felt like warm oil started at my feet. And it was a, just a warm, oily, I don't know how to explain it, feeling that came over me. And my hands just responded in, in response to it. And I never lifted my hands in my life. Man, I was a little Baptist boy. You didn't do that stuff. 
You know, nobody raised their hand in church unless they had a question, you know. And so I, my hands went up, and I began to glorify God, you know. And uh, actually, the prayer language came later, but I was jumping around and shouting. I was like, great day. I, and I, I was like, it felt good, and I didn't care what anybody thought. My pastor came to me and said, I'm glad the church wasn't here today. <laughs> I was like, really? Why? He said, they think, they swear up now we're Pentecostal. And I'm like, I don't care what they would think. Brother, I had an encounter with God, and I didn't care what anybody thought. Amen? Still don't. Still don't. Amen? Are you going to be a pleaser of God or a pleaser of men? Amen? Do, do we care what people think? No, not really. You know, I'm not trying to insult him, but no, not really. So being immersed and not being filled or filled and not overflowing, I believe you can do that because in Thessalonians it says you can quench the Spirit. You can quench the Spirit. The Spirit is doing something, but you're quenching it. You're, you're pushing it down. I mean, it's filling you up. You're like, I'm not going to say anything. I don't want people to think I'm crazy. All right? I, you know, people, we're, we're people, and we sometimes fear men. Well, some people say, but it seems so strange to speak something that I don't understand. I don't understand it. It seems strange. You know what? It is strange. It's weird to me. I've been speaking in tongues for 40 years. It's still weird to me and some people they want to argue well on the day of pentecost they didn't speak in an unknown tongue they spoke in a language okay i don't have a problem with that i can't speak i can speak about five words in spanish but i can't carry a conversation on so i can't preach a sermon in spanish but if i tore loose speaking uh, preaching a sermon in spanish i think that'd be pretty supernatural wouldn't you they spoke in a language they didn't learn whatever it was I'm not going to argue what it was. But I do know, according to the Scripture, that there is a language that is not known to any man. And they can argue that all they want to. But the Bible says when a man speaks in an unknown tongue, no man understands what he says. For he speaks not to man, but to God. Howbeit in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. He speaks mysteries. Paul said when, when I'm speaking in tongues, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. In other words, I have no idea what I'm saying. Because it's not me saying, it's the Spirit in me crying out to God. And, pray, and brethren, I'm telling you, that's something supernatural. When God comes down and fills you, and the Holy Spirit of God in you communicates with God who is in the, on the throne. That is supernatural. And man, that is an awesome thing. And I, and I want you to know that this whole thing, and, and, and I, I hope every Pentecostal charismatic, full gospel, whatever in the whole world hears this. It's not for show. And I've seen it used for show, and it, and it angers me because people who already have a little bit of a problem with this, they really have a problem with it then, and so do I. This is not for show. It is to, for your spirit to cry out to the Holy God, a very perfect, undefiled language, actually the perfect will of God. And that's what it's for. I remember when I was a boy, I was in my dad's church. They used to have an old-fashioned southern gospel singings, man. They'd come three or four groups, you know, and they'd get their twanging guitars going, you know. And I liked that kind of stuff, you know, still do. But um, this lady came in was sitting on the back row. And, man, she tore loose in my dad's Baptist church praying in tongues. And I'm looking at her I'm like, that woman's crazy, you know. What's wrong with her? Well, there's nothing wrong with her praying in tongues, but that wasn't the place for it. You hear me? That wasn't the place for it. 
Because the Bible says when you do that, people, it, it says the, even a trumpet doesn't have an uncertain sound. If you blow the trumpet, it needs to have a certain sound. It's charge or retreat or something so people know what to do. He said the tongue's the same way. You need to speak things that people understand when you're addressing the church. All right? So she was speaking something. Nobody interpreted it. Everybody looked at her like she was crazy. And I think she was doing it for show. You know, look at me. I'm real holy. Woohoo! I got something you don't have. And whatever the reason, it's, that's not what it's for. Amen? It's for us to call out to God in the Spirit. Romans chapter 8 verse 26 says this. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. Now that's a capital S. That's the Holy Spirit. Helps our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit. Where is the Spirit? He's inside of me. He has filled me. He prays, making intercession for us with groans which cannot be uttered. And he searches the heart. He that searches the heart knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. How many times do we question, what is the will of God for my life? Anybody ever question that besides me? What is the will of God for my life? And I may pray, I may pray something for you, but that may not be God's will. Or something for you, or I may be praying for something for my family. All these things. But I don't know for sure that that's God's will. But I can tell you this. When I kneel down and I pray and let my spirit pray, He knows what the mind of the spirit is. And He prays every time the perfect will of God. When I'm praying and interceding for you guys, and sometimes I don't know what to pray, I just pray in the Spirit while I'm thinking about you. And I pray the perfect will of God over your life. You say, is it all about tongues? No, it's not all about tongues. Tongues is a very important part of it. They spoke in tongues. What can I tell you? They spoke in tongues. Now, there are two ways to, to receive the baptism of the Spirit. One way is directly from God. That's what we see on the day of Pentecost. Man, we're going to get out of here early. On the day of Pentecost. The Bible says that they were gathered in the upper room. And the Spirit of God came down on them. Nobody prayed for them. Nobody touched them. Anything. They're just praying. They're lingering. They've been there for ten days. And by the way, this is the only place you find in Scripture where they had to tarry. And wait for the Spirit. Everywhere else it came just like that. And still does. Now some of your old line Pentecostals, I mean, they'll tarry all night long. Weeks, days, years. Waiting for the Holy Spirit. You don't have to tarry and wait for the Holy Spirit. It's not something, you don't have to twist God's arm to give you this gift. It's the gift. Folks, God wants you to have this more than you want it yourself. This is what empowers His church. To be witnesses. What did He say? Acts one eight says... You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. God wants you to have this endowment of power. He wants you to have it. Amen? And so one way is it comes directly from God. We see it in another place in the house of Cornelius. Peter, who was a Jew, was at a guy's house named Simon a Tanner that lived by the sea. And he's up on the roof, and he's taking a nap, and they're getting lunch ready. And he has a vision, and he sees a vision with a blanket let down from heaven. And all four-footed beasts and creeping things was on this blanket. And the Spirit of God said, Arise, Peter, 
take, kill, and eat. Peter said, not so, Lord, for I've never eaten anything common or unclean. Because there were things on there that they couldn't eat. Snakes and pigs and things that was contrary to the dietary law. And then the blanket was let up and God says, don't call what I've made common or unclean. And then a knock came on the door and two Gentiles were there. And the angel of God had appeared to Cornelius, who was an Italian soldier, a Roman, a, a Gentile, and said, send these servants to Simon a tanner that lives by the sea and inquire for one Simon Peter. And so there they are. They're knocking on the door. And Peter comes down and he realized what the vision was for. Because up until that point, the Gentiles, the Jews believed that salvation was just for the Jews. There was no, Jew, no Gentile Christians. And so Peter goes with him and the other Jews that was with Peter went with him. And so they go into the house of Cornelius and Peter begins to tell them about Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, while he yet spake, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Again, we see it coming from above. And they all begin to speak with tongues and magnify God. And then Peter says, can any one of us forbid water that these should be baptized? Who has received the Holy Ghost just like we have? And so we see twice that it came directly from God. Nobody had to do anything. Can I tell you something? Are you with me? You don't need for anybody to touch you, pray for you, anything to receive the baptism of the Spirit. Ask God for it. That's all you've got to do. God says He will withhold no good thing from you. Ask Him. He will give you the baptism of the Spirit. He wants you to have this. But we also see it by the laying on of hands. Because the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God. Now Samaria is over there. It's a city. All right, it's mineral. All right. And folks in Louisa, all the apostles, they're all in Louisa. And they heard minerals done receive the word of God, man. Because Philip went over there and he starts preaching and a bunch of people got saved. They received the word of God. And Philip took them out and he baptized them. So folks, they're as saved as you can get. I don't care if you're a Baptist or if you're from the Christian church that believes you've got to be baptized to be saved. Brother, they're saved, all right? They've received the Word of God. They've been water baptized, and they're as saved as you can get. And then the Bible says that the apostles said, Peter, you and John go to Samaria and pray for them that they might also receive the Holy Ghost. For he has fallen on none of them. They have only been baptized in water. And so they went and they laid hands on them and prayed for them. It's the only place in Scripture that we don't see them specifically speaking in tongues. All right? But there was a man there named Simon a Tanner, Simon the Magician. And he was a sorcerer. And he had actually done witchcraft. And they thought that he was like some magical, powerful man. And he got converted. Man, you're doing something good when you get the witch converted, right? And he said, give me... This power that whomsoever I lay my hands on, they will receive this power. And he offered them money. And then Peter rebuked him and he repented. Because Peter rebuked him thinking he could buy with money the gifts of God. You can't buy this thing. You don't have to buy it. It's already been paid for. It was paid for by a man hanging on a cross at Calvary. Amen. Isn't that great news? It's already been paid for. It's free. We see another place where Paul... He's on the road to Damascus, and he goes into Damascus. He's blinded by this brilliant light, and God speaks to Ananias and said, Go in and pray for Paul. He goes in, and he lays hands on Paul, and the scales fall off of his eyes. And Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
We see another place when Paul is uh, he's in the upper coast and he runs across 12 of John the Baptist's disciples. They don't even know that Jesus was the Messiah. They're following the teachings of John the Baptist. And so Paul prays for, prays for them and they get saved. Then he asked them, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? They said, we hadn't even heard about a Holy Spirit. What are you talking about? He said, well, what were you baptized in then? Speaking of the baptism of the Spirit. Oh, we're baptized in the baptism of John. He said, John truly baptizes with water, saying, look at the one that's coming after me. But Jesus come to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says he laid hands on them, and they received the Spirit and spoke with tongues, and there was about 12 of them. So we see this happening two different ways, coming direct from God, coming by the laying on of hands. And so you can get it either way, but you can get it. Amen? Say, I can get it. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, you can get it if you ain't already got it. Amen? Well, how do I know it's not of the devil? Right? Because there are some satanic realms, satanic circles and groups that speak in tongues. Demonically influenced, they speak in tongues. So how do I know when I speak in tongues that it's not a demon speaking through me? That's a scary thing, isn't it? Huh? How do I know? Luke chapter 11, verse 11 says this. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give for a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he ask for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Folks, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you ask God for the Holy Ghost, He's not going to give you a demon tongue. He's not going to give you a serpent or a scorpion or a stone. He's going to give you the Holy Spirit. You don't have to worry about that. God's going to take care of that. Amen? Well, amen. Well, God wants us to be endued with power. He wants us to be endued with power. And this gift is for you. It's free. And it'll make a difference in your life. Amen. I told you we was going to get out of here. Want to make it condensed and concise? Was that concise enough? Well, praise God. Why don't you all stand to your feet? Hallelujah. Lord, we love you this morning. God, I pray that every single person here today will know the power of your Spirit. Lord, it is, it is God. It is the distinction that sets your church apart from any other faith on earth. The indwelling of the power of the Spirit. God, I pray that you endue every single person with your power. Lord, I pray that every single one of us, God, will see the necessity for this. Lord, I know a lot of people look at it and they say, well, it's confusing. I don't, I don't know what I'm praying and it seems strange and it seems weird to me. God, help them to know and understand, Lord, that when they pray in your heavenly language, Lord, the language that you said is an angelic language. For, Lord, you told us if we have the tongues of both men and of angels and have not love, we've become a tinkling brass and a sounding cymbal, Lord. That heavenly language, God, that angelic language, it is strange, Lord. But help them to know, God, that it is the one and only time that we can really, truly pray 
your perfect will. And not only that, but Lord, through this gift, Lord, we see many of the different gifts, Lord, just manifested. Lord, the gifts of prophecy. Lord, the gifts of healing. The gifts of miracles, God. And Lord, that we, when, we, when we experience that, Lord, you begin to do things and reveal things and show us things, God, that we can't know any other way. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would have the freedom and the liberty, not just here in CVAG, but God, in every church. Lord, we have been praying for an outpouring of your spirit in this area for 25 years, God, in every church, Lord. God, I pray that you pour your spirit out, Lord, and that every believer, Lord, would be open to receive the gift, Lord. Father, you, you, you have over 7,000 promises in your word, God. But, Lord, this one you said is the promise. It's the promise of the Father. So, God, I pray that you just pour that out on the churches today, Lord, and that they would be receptive to it, Lord God. And, Father, even now, right here in this place, God, fill your people with the Spirit, Lord Jesus. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Listen, let me just tell you one other thing here. When we pray in the Spirit here in CVAG, you guys are you guys are great. I have never had to address this as a as an issue or a problem in our fourteen year history. Now I've had a few people that came in a, a time or two that didn't understand the gifts of the Spirit or how they were used or whatever, and they heard somebody maybe two people over from them praying in the Spirit, and they came and said, "Aren't you supposed to pray silently unto yourself?" I'm like, well, yes, you are, actually. But you have to understand, they weren't addressing you. They were praying to God. You just happened to overhear them. If a person is there praying with their understanding and you overhear them, you wouldn't give it a second thought, right? But the fact that they were praying in a heavenly language, a prayer language, angelic language, you took note of it. And you felt like that it was out of order. But it wasn't out of order because they weren't doing it in such a way to address the body. If somebody speaks in a tongue out loud, loud enough so everybody can hear, and it's done with the intention for everybody to hear, that's when he said it only needs to be done with interpretation. Now, God has done that here a few times, and I think that's appropriate. I know in some circles it seemed like if God didn't give tongues and interpretation on a Sunday, he didn't show up. And it seemed to me that it was, it was almost out of order. And I don't know, maybe God would do that in some churches every Sunday. I'm not, we're not to say when, how much, or that's not up for us to say. But there is an order, and the, and the Bible clearly points out how that order should be done. But folks, we need to understand that is still relevant today. The Bible says when the unbelieving comes in and he sees this, it will convince him. Of the truth. If somebody walks in off the street. And you don't know them from Adam. And suddenly the Lord speaks through somebody. In tongues and interpretation. And starts to read their mail. And they're standing like. They're, How did they know that? How did they know that? How did they know that? That's very convincing. And folks I've seen God do that. Time and again. Through tongues interpretation. Through prophecy. Had one young lady come through one time. We had, y'all remember we did the prayer tunnel. 
How many of you were here when we did the prayer tunnel? We haven't done that in a long time. God hadn't told me to. If he tells me to do it again, we'll do it again. All right. We've done it twice in 14 years. But God said, don't preach, do a prayer tunnel. Well, prayer tunnels, I get leadership of the church, and they line up on each side, and everybody just walks through, and we just pray for them. That's all. We just pray for them. And whew, man, both times, we were here to 3 o'clock. And thought we was here, what, Joe, 1230? I don't know. It was like, we were here at 3 o'clock praying for people. Well, this girl came through the prayer tunnel. And, man, God was just showing us things. And, I mean, everybody in the prayer, God would give this one something and that one. And just speaking into people's lives and reading their mail and stuff. Things that they'd been going through. Things that they'd been thinking. They hadn't told anybody. And that's some pretty cool stuff now. I don't care who you are. That's pretty cool stuff. This girl walked through and she walked out the door. And when she walked out the door, God said, send for her. Bring her back. I'm like, all right. So I told somebody, I said, go get that little girl and bring her back. And, brother, God just read her mail, I mean, big time. And, and I didn't know what I was going to say. God usually won't give you the whole plan. He might give you one word or two words. She came in, I said, and I just began to tell her what the Lord is showing me. And she walked away, and she told one of her friends, says, that man told me stuff that nobody knows. Nobody knows that about me but me. See, that's what God will do. Through this gift. It is so important. And he doesn't do that to embarrass you or to try to point you out. He does that because he wants to heal you. Right? What does James say? Confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. A lot of times we carry all this stuff around and we can't be healed because we don't want anybody to know. We don't want to get it out. You know. Now, I'm not telling you to go blab all your stuff to everybody. I don't recommend you do that. I'm not saying that. No, I'm going to shut up here. Because I did what God sent me here to do today. And I hope that it's ministered to you. Father, I bless your family, God, this morning. I bless their home. Lord, make it a refuge. God, make it an escape from the world. A place where you are honored, Lord. A place where you are revered. God, may their home be a place where the Holy Spirit resides and was feel welcome. God, may the Holy Spirit feel welcome as they sit beside us watching TV, on our computer, in our quiet time, when our, there's differences in our home. God bless our home that we have peace and joy and tranquility. God, when people come into our home, may they sense the presence of the Spirit and say, there is just something here in your home. And Lord, also restore relationships between husbands and their wives, children and their parents, siblings, one with each other. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.